one that surprised me, The View from the Cheap Seats by Neil Gaiman, one of my favorite authors. Oh, mine too. I, I, I love the Sandman series yeah. and all the books they've, he's written. I, I like this one, you know, as a writer, it's always nice to see or wonderful to see the, how things work. And for him, this is a collection of essays, writings, lectures uh, that he's given. And you see how someone who is a gifted storyteller is able to put pen and paper together to create a world and describe a whole world. And it's, an in, it's, it's like in being an intensive course about writing without talking about technical things. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's giving you the insight of how to write from the heart and from the mind. You know, you, you write with your heart, you edit with the mind. And what drives you to create such worlds? The, the what if, what is this, what is that? And asking questions. And the, and the answer to those questions will take you in directions that are just absolutely marvelous. You know, it's, it's, it, it makes you wonder about society. It makes you ask questions about how, how we've created this society and how and in the end, it's human beings and human stories that create this society and this culture and how we can describe those narratives, those myths into our everyday life. And as a writer myself, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful window into the creation of inspiration and what, what allows you to create a novel, a story, a little book, as small as it may be, to the biggest, thickest thing. It's it's a. Uh, it makes you write. It's, it makes you want to write. There's another book which we'll get to uh, a little further on um, about creativity that you really like. Um, clearly, this is something that you find very inspirational. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 a. Uh, you know, there's the if you if you follow the pattern of the books, they kind of. There is a rhythm to them, you know. The, the four yeah. agreements talks about your own self and healing. The, the born to run is inspiration. What motivates you to that healing or to that creation? Will Durant is a reflection of the past and learning from our elders. How to raise an adult and the autistic brain is how to shift your relationship, not just with your children, but with 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 uh, with yourself and others, and see it from totally different eyes. Neil Gaiman is exercised in putting all of that into words and a narrative that allows you to understand it because it's all literature. It's all, whether it's fictional or non-fictional, it is still that ability to put into words that allows each other to understand each other. Yeah. And that's the gift that of literature. We get to understand because if I don't understand what you're saying, then it's just, it goes over my head. But if you have this ability to paint with words, this experience, this aha moment, this thought, it can move you. And going back to that image of Gabriel Garcia Marquez and turning around of someone's eyes and looking at you and also seeing the moment where love fades or disappears. And it's just in the written page wow, it's, it's, it's uh, Neil Gaiman's, this book describes exactly what that power is. Yeah. The moment when perception shifts, 
yeah. So number seven, where would this, how would you describe this one then? The variety of scientific experience, a personal view on the search for God by Carl Sagan, published in 2006 on the 10th anniversary of his death yeah. by his wife. So these two next, next two books, Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking. So first Carl Sagan, I love reading books on physics. I, it's, it's a, and history. Those are my two favorite topics to read in my in my free time. Um, I can I spent many a, many a time reading biographies and then reading books on physics, uh, astrophysics, microphysics, and, and all all these things. Carl Sagan in this book bridges two worlds. Now, mind you, I in my background, I was born and raised in duality and juxtaposition. My father and my uncles were surgeons. My father, before he was who he is now, Don Miguel Ruiz, was a neurosurgeon, a medical doctor. My mom was a dentist. My uncle's an oncologist. My other uncle was a neuros, neurologist. My aunt was a, is a psychiatrist, psychologist. And my grandmother and my grandfather are faith healers. So you have contrast right there of two worlds. And they did not clash. They somehow supported each other. My grandma would send some of her patients, my, my uncles and my father's way. And, and in turn, they would send people over to my grandmother because sometimes in the root of things, there is that thing that heals. Like for me, in my point of view, faith healing is using the placebo effect to help people. You know, a sugar pill given to the right person who has that intent, this pill will help heal me will be healed. There's the power of the word. There's power of the faith. Going back to words, there it is. The, the same energy I used to move my arms, to move my legs, is the same energy I used to create a thought. At the root of every belief I have in my belief system, there's a yes that gives it power. So witnessing my grandmother and use faith in that way. And to us, faith is believing in something 100%. It's, it's not blind faith. It's knowing the intent of being able to take a step forward. That's what faith is to us. And she used it. And my father eventually lets go of his medical profession and becomes Don Miguel Ruiz and bridges the two of them together. And then I, as well, I, grew, I lived in San Diego, California, and I went to school in Tijuana, Mexico. So I lived in the United States, but went to school in Tijuana. So I grew up with two languages that I use, you know, to this very day, I dream in English and I count in Spanish. It's how my brain works. All right, Carl Sagan's, this little book is exactly that. He talks and bridges the world of physics and understanding the universe and then talks about God and how he bridges those two things in a series of lectures. And what is pivotal in this book is in the end, they collected all the questions and answers of each night. The people who agreed with his thesis and, and presentations and arguments and people who didn't. And he talks about science and spirituality in a way that to me is graceful. He's not afraid to shy away of the disagreement between the two of them, but by its nature, he obviously doesn't separate them completely because there's still this approach and acknowledgement of God. So from that point of view, this book describes 
a duality, a juxtaposition to try and find a common language, not only to understand the world, but sharing that knowledge with everyone else. And people will have a totally different point of view on what you're saying. So in that question and answer section in the end, you can see how he navigates. It's, it's, you know, there are people who agree and there's people who completely disagree and how he's able to weave between them through words that allows them to bridge. Cosmos is the series that he was the host on. It's exactly that, you know, it, it's to a certain degree, he's talking physics in a way that we can all understand. So when he talks about God as a physicist, it's an extraordinary thing in desire to create that um, bridge of those two worlds that allows us to understand not just the cosmos, but that which is the divine. So it's, it's a book that leads to the, the other book, which is The Brief History of Time, which is Stephen Hawking. But before I go into that one, this book is just how you see a master navigate two worlds and find a common place where we understand each other and talking about physics and the space we're in, the universe and the micro and the macro and where's God's place in it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I can see why you really love that book. So tell us about Brief his History of Time. You've already said you love reading about physics. You did say that uh, you had to read a lot of books to be able to read that one. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the same in the same thing. Like with, with going back to Carl Sagan for a brief moment, as a teacher myself, and I'm teaching my family's tradition, Carl Sagan is a good inspiration or a good teacher because he paved the way of how to bridge. And my father did the same thing with the Four Agreements. The Four Agreements, you know, it's uh, he when he began to teach the total tradition, he saw that there was a lot of superstition. So he took out a lot of the superstition and put what he calls common sense yeah. language. And that's coming from a doctor. So in the four agreements, the, the only thing left of the old Totec stories is the intro of the story of the smoky mirror. The rest is the Totec tradition stripped out of the superstition and all that is left is common sense. It's, it's, it's simple. It's, it, it doesn't talk, talk down to anyone. It's, written in a way that is we can engage and Carl Sagan does that in a beautiful way Stephen Hawking also does it but Hawking tackles something that is so complex that I did I did read uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson I great I, I read uh, I forgot the name of the Italian author of he writes the short little books and then of course the book the big big books of history the, I, I began to tackle a brief history in time years ago in my 20s. And I'll tell you, it just went, it, I, I didn't understand it. And, and I, I thought it was beautiful, but I had a desire to understand what he's talking about. So I wasn't afraid to start from the very beginning all over again. And to be honest with you, physics wasn't always my strong suit. I was definitely more into the visual arts. I studied at school, I studied film and video production. I started out as a sociology major, but I switched to film and video production with a minor in theater. And I kept my social, uh, I, st I still 
took a lot of sociology, so, so that's my, my, my craft. But I ha I've always had this, this, uh, this intrigue since I was in the International Baccalaureate in high school, where it's like the, in the International Baccalaureate, you kind of focus on so many things. And I focus on history, I focus on literature, but I couldn't help but be intrigued by physics. I math, I, can, I, I was getting straight A's in math up until calculus and I never was able to get past the C. But um, I read books in physics only to be able to understand Stephen Hawking. And mind you, Stephen Hawking does a great job of doing what Carl Sagan does, which is to talk in a language that anyone can understand. And this is probably the reason why he became such a big superstar is that he was someone who well, has such an incredible intellect, but didn't talk down to anyone. He, here it is, here's the information and here's yeah. how it pertains to the world and the universe in this case. And I read all these books and when I was, felt I was reading, uh, I was ready for it, I began to read A Brief History in Time again and I understood him. I was able to tap into his imagination of what it means by, by the singularity and multiple singularities and what is a black hole and what, how does that relevant to time and, and how we perceive time. And also it's, it's, a, it's a way to describe the universe and the movements and the actions and the expansion and the contraction of it. That it's, it's humbling. You look up in the stars and you see everything he wrote about flowing right in front of you. You know, the stars, how, you know, we're basically seeing a sea of corpses. Uh, you know, some of those stars no longer exist, but it took this much time to reach it. And some of the lights are flickering because there's something in front of it. And there's the time level concept of understanding what a big bang is and how that happened. And the single singularity of all this pressure coming in and then all of a sudden one variation and and then it'll come back down. Now the whole concept of space and singularity. So it's, it understands, it makes you understand that as soon as you shift perception, for example, if we shift our perception in the universe, it'll still look dramatically different. It, it'll, it, it changes. Perception will always change your, your reference in time will change according to where you're at. You know, as simple as I'm aging more being at 5,000 feet here in Reno than I was when I was living in San Diego at the sea level. You know, mm -hmm. it, that little difference affects my body in time and how the body relates to it. Let alone the experiments are having with, uh, with the astronauts you know, the, 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 twin, the twins, one, one yes. stayed in Earth, one went up and his DNA changed. Mm -hmm. and, the funny thing is that as soon as you begin to understand uh, Stephen Hawking, you begin to understand Einstein because Einstein did it with all this his imagination. And all of a sudden you realize it, it's, you go down to Newton, you go down to all, all these wonderful minds that began to explore it. And, you know, a, a TV show called Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson puts it all into perspective. It's as a beautiful way to see your place in all creation, where 
Will Durant's book describes your place in society in the form of history. S Stephen Hawking shares the spot where you're at in the universe and how we are, I'm gonna quote Neil deGrasse Tyson on this one, we are made of star stuff and why that is. And the, the, all the energy in the universe equals zero. All the energy in the universe equals zero. The manifest and the unmanifest. My father talks about this all the time. The, all that exists is the manifest and the unmanifest. And then Stephen Hawking, the way he described it, it is everything is positive and negative. And so positive being all this energy that came to come together to create matter. And then in the same time, it is able to dis disintegrate into nothing. So it go, it's all the energy, positive and negative, or you can say amassed by gravitational pull, whatever you want to call it, to that which has no form, gravitates to zero, which means we all, we all go back to one. So number nine, wow, this was the named a most anticipated book of 2018 by Esquire, Pop Sugar, The Huffington Post, BuzzFeed and Publishers Weekly, Creative Quest by Amir Questlove-Thompson. Mm -hmm. Musician, band leader, designer, producer. Talk about creativity. I mean, this man does everything. Yep. All around cultural omnivore, culinary, entrepreneur, professor. My goodness. And he's yes. a drummer too. And he's a drummer. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Maybe that's how he became so creative. Yeah, the rhythm, you know, like it's the it's, rhythm, it's the foundation, yeah. the, the the rhythm and the bass. Yeah. Like I like I said, like I wrote, I haven't finished reading this book, and the reason why I haven't finished reading this book is that every time I pick it up, I put it back down to something. It's a book yeah. that makes you do stuff. It's like you 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 look into his world, you 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 get inspired by what he's doing that you put it down to put into use and you don't have to actually do what he's actually doing like for example there's times when i've been i've been reading this book and all of a sudden i put it down and i'm go back to working on my own book and and then or something that inspires me with my son let's go do this let's do that with with my kids let's go do this with that let's it's it's a book that set up the what if and actually lays out the, uh, the plan of making it so and not be afraid to make it so. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of your own judgment. It's kind of like when you, when you write. It took me a long time to not edit as I'm writing, to trust in the purge. I call it a purge at least. I throw up all these thoughts, all these words. I write and write and write and write and write. It doesn't have to be grammatically correct. It doesn't have to be profound it has to doesn't have to be beautiful it could be i could be a whole run-on sentence that lasts two pages all that matters is that you put it on paper create this clay once you finish creating the clay you hit save walk away then when you're ready you come back and you begin to introduce order in the sense of put it grammatical rules, create the sentences, create the paragraphs, give it structure. Don't erase anything, just put it into shape, hit save, walk away. Once that thought is over, come back later. And in a, you know, each one, you, you never touch the masters, you never touch each layer. You're like If you created the clay, 
you never, all you hear is copy and save, never touch that again. Put grammatical uh, rules in this particular one, hit save, never touch it away. Copy and paste, now you start editing. And you edit because in the first, the reason why the first two drafts are such a mess is because you only have one reader and that's me and I'm able to fill in the gaps. But you begin to edit because now the reader is no longer me, it's someone else. And the rules of grammar are there to help convey that message. So that's why we edit. The book or your essay has to stand alone because it doesn't have you to answer questions. It has mm -hmm. to stand on its own, which means you're when you edit, you're translating it into a language someone else can understand. That's the creative process. Yeah. That's you first let the thought out and it'll stick with you because it'll resonate with you all along the way. Questlove's book is about that thing that galvanizes you to even begin to put down the clay down, to create the clay, create all this thoughts, all these movements, all this heart, and let's see where it goes. If it resonates, if it has a heartbeat. And that's a, when I say heartbeat, it's just another way of saying it resonates, but it has a way to describe something that you're passionate about and you want to see it through. So he's an inspirer. Oh, yes. Yeah. is abuse in a great way. Yeah, yeah. So the last book, interesting one, again, Can't Hurt Me, Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds by David Goggins, published in 2018. So like we said before, like we were talking about in the, in the question about filling out this, you know, one of the things, how do these books come into your life? The Four Agreements came to my life because my father's the author. Born to Run is because my friend Shane and Brian, uh, you know, if we both went for a run. Will Durant came to my life because my best friend is his great-grandson. How to Raise an Adult came because I was going through some anxiety and that phrase, uh, survive without me, came into my mind. That's, uh, autistic brain, my son has autism and I kept looking for uh, a light. Neil Gaiman came because I love the Sandman stories and I love his stories. And this book came into my life because I just wanted to read more by him and it's just been an absolute treasure. Carl Sagan, Cosmos. I enjoy the, the, the TV show, both the original and the newer version. And I just wanted to know what is about him. I wanted more. Uh, Stephen Hawking is just a man who just, you know, he, he went through so much, but just this book in itself is just something that's been in the lore of our society. And I want to know Quest Love. I saw it in a bookstore. I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. I, I was in Portland, uh, Oregon, and I forgot the name of the bookstore, Powell's. I was in Powell's in, in, in Portland, Oregon. I picked it up and I just, I ne it never left my hands after that. David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me, came to my life because my friend Brian, um, he gave it this book to me. It was, a, a, Brian is, uh, for many years, he's an avid runner and he finally qualified 
for Boston. And in that time, he was looking for, um, you know, books that he like. He, Kim and I share a lot of books and running and, and all these kind of things. And, you know, my brother gave me a book for Christmas uh, called uh, Life with Seal, with Life with a Seal. And it talks about this adventures of this uh, enterprise businessman who sees this one Navy SEAL do a crazy race, a hundred miles in San Diego Bay, going around in circles and he goes, who is this guy? So he has them come train him for a month and it's, he creates this blog and he published a blog and he didn't name my name, but in this particular edition, he finally decided to give it. So he says, David Goggins. I give this book to Brian, a life with a zeal. And Brian in return comes back and says, here, he released a book. Really? I read it. It is the most in your face, hardcore. He pulled, he pulled no punches. You know, it's, it's, it's not elegant. It's not beautiful. But man, he describes the hardship he had to go through, you know, li living with his father who was abusive, who's, who was friends with uh, Rick James, you know, the guy who sings super freaky, super freaky. And describes growing up in that environment of, heathenism, I guess you can describe it, but uh, basically a very tumultuous family life. And he's, he wasn't supposed to amount to anything. And then he is moved to the Midwest where he's probably the only black person in that little community. And he experiences racism in a way that's just dramatic. So he goes after trauma, after trauma, after trauma, after trauma. And the way he got out of it was with his body, athleticism. And he decided to, he, there was a recruiter, a military recruiter that kind of spoke to him and opened up his possibilities in the military. And at that point, he already had a kid. He, he, he was in a marriage that was loveless, and, but he decided to go for it and discipline was introduced into his life and it changed him completely to the point where, to a certain point, a little obsessive of trying to reach all these goals, but he was able to run some of the most toughest races in the world. And he learned it by experience and he just kept going and going and all along in order for him to achieve it, he had to change himself. And he overcame all that, you know, he became this holder of records of not just running, but pull-ups, things like that. He's in phenomenal shape. But then the main, the main part of this book was not just his ability to overcome all these excuses to not do anything, but then he achieves it and his body begins to break down because yes, he worked and worked and worked, but when he was a seal, a man came to 
give a class about stretching. And he disregarded it because like, well, I don't need to stretch, you know? And funny, my, my wife is the same way. She's like, oh, we can, she, she runs like a cheat on my wife, but she never stretches and I stretch. But he's the same mentality, I don't need to stretch. And then when he got, got hurt and his body began locked up because all of a sudden he was so tight, his body was so tight that blood wasn't circulating so well. So he start, his body was starting to break down. And then he, re he remembered this lecture and it was like a seed that blossomed. I need to take care of myself. So he began to stretch and stretch and stretch. And all of a sudden he went from almost dying to once again running, but now he has this balance. He found this balance that allowed him to continue doing it. And to this day, if you go to his Twitter or Instagram account, you can see him still, you know, he routinely gives advice to people about staying in your discipline, staying in, in uh, what, what you want to attain in life and is a motivational speaker in this way and motivates so many kids, especially when, when he shares the story that like, you know, I was supposed to be this gang member, I was supposed to be a nothing and here I am, look at everything I've created, not, not in form of riches, but in his own craft. Man, it, it, it inspires you to go out there and start running in my case and that was the, the original intent but i used it for so many other things it's it's it reminds me of a, a teacher once taught me this lesson the key to enlightenment is effort that's it that's all she said and this is in mount shasta in a lecture she said this and i began to process that line effort is using the energy that animates this body it's the energy to apply to take one step forward, uh, one step forward. And that's what effort is. Discipline is simply remembering to apply that effort every day. That's all discipline is. And success is following through. That's what I understood from her teaching in this book. It's kind of like my father's book, Always Do Your Best. You know, it's, it's in, in the four agreements, there's a one little chapter that talks about always doing your best. Well, David Gongan's book is, it's all about that. It's mm. about love in a sense of letting go of all these things that stops you from doing. Yeah. And that's my interpretation of it, of course. But in my point of view, it's that it's a story that if you allow the projected image that your surrounded gives you, then you will always be trapped by it. But if you're willing to break out of it, and yes, it's going to be difficult at times, you can achieve so much. It's, it's, it's a certain degree. This book, it's like, if you look at this ten, these 10 books, they're all correlated. They're, yeah. they're all inter, intermatch. You know, the artistic brain combined with can't hurt me. Yeah, it's the thing that I'm not going to stop autism from being my son's father an autism is not going to be the thing that stops him from being who he is we're going to break through the projection and all of a sudden you realize that the projection that people have is that autism is your tyrant but if you break through that autism is your ally it'll give you strength and it's exactly that it's like it's a humble story of someone who didn't let that projection affect them Yes, he has issues. He's not a perfect guy. He has 
his relationships with his partners fall apart here and there, but eventually it works out. It's a work in progress. And to me, it's one of the most inspiring books I have ever read because he never pretends to be this uh, type of guy. He mm -hmm. always describes himself as this guy who didn't have better, but he got there in a way that is unorthodox. And you, know, you can say that if someone used their time meditating, he used it by moving. Mm. It reminds me of the saying that the only failure is not trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it says um, the notes that I looked up said that um, he says that most of us tap into only 40% of our capabilities. Mm -hmm. He calls this the 40% rule mm -hmm. and says that, you know, we can all push past pain, demolish fear, mm -hmm. and reach our full potential. And that's really what it's all about, isn't it? Yes. Yes, getting out of our comfort zone and making the uncomfortable comfortable. So, yeah. so of these 10 books, if you had to, if somebody asked you to give them something to inspire them on, on their journey, whether it's a spiritual quest, whether it's a personal, you know, quest for knowledge about self-knowledge, which is the book that you would recommend the most to inspire somebody? You know, the funny thing is that the person who would ask me is always morphing. It's it's because uh, these these 10 books are books I have actually recommended to people in different ways. Mm. You know, if you're a parent have definitely how to raise an adult and you can say out of all these books that are in front of me that that's the book that I've recommended the most besides, of course, the four grins because he's my papa, of course, and it helps so much. But how to raise an adult is the book that I've recommended the most because I tend to talk to my peers who are also parents and in all my teachings when I, I talk about the four agreements and they ask me well how can I apply it with my kids and the the closest book I have ever read that comes close to being the the parent book of the four agreements is how to raise an adult you know yeah. don't take it personal don't make assumptions always do your best and be impeccable with the word that one I would say it's it's the number one book I recommend um, to be inspired by and create creative quest. <laughs> Only because it's a the, the difference. As you saw, there's a pattern to this, and creative quest and David Goggins uh, can't hurt me. They also go together. You know, if if creative creative quest love has done so much, you know, it's like. Both of them, David Goggins and Questlove have, if you look at their body of work, they've made so much, but in different facets. Where Questlove is in the arts, music, visual stuff, uh, David Goggins is in the personal growth and his physical body and it's taking them out. Both, both have taken themselves out of tough places by being themselves. So if I were to recommend that, those two books together would go along. But it always depends on who's asking me. It's like, you know, in the book, The Seven Secrets to Happy, Healthy Relationships, and we talk about, it has one voice. It's, 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 it's co-written with my friend, uh, dear friend, Heather Ashamara, but the book is not a he said, she said. It's one voice that changes gender as the chapters. And one of the reasons why that is, is that it's not about understanding men and women. It's about understanding the person in front of you. 
So in order for me to answer which one is according is I have to see who's in front of me. Yeah. And what do they need in that moment? If they need healing, four agreements, hands down. If they want to understand life, Will Durant. If they want to deal with kids, uh, how to raise an adult in the autistic brain, you know, both those books will be uh, will give you insight. And if you want to have this beautiful light that make, allows you to see the light at the end of the tunnel in regards to autism, then autistic brain is your is your is your 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 cake. Yeah, it's about understanding who's in front of you. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah and like that's said, and that's a good answer. I mean, it's interesting that your list, I think, really does serve that. It serves every eventuality. I mean, there's other lists, and people will pick a, one book to inspire somebody. But the, you know, I've not seen such a complete list that seems to cover many different aspects. Um, it's it's been a really interesting one to read, to digest, and certainly you've inspired me to read some other books. In closing, I'm, I want to go back to where we started at the beginning when we talked about the five levels of attachment being, you know, could have been written expressly for this past year and next year. It's difficult, you know, <laughs> talking about attachments because it doesn't matter how many we let go of there's always more always but is there one if you had to write that book today is there one thing that you would add to it that wasn't there before yes i i actually added it in the master of self that's why it's in there again it's uh an attachment is a healthy thing when the time comes to let go and you're able to let go of it is engaging a moment, and when the moment's over, you're able to disengage, engage, disengage, engage, disengage, attach, detach, attach, detach. That's healthy. It becomes unhealthy the moment when it's time to let go and we can't. And that's when we start holding on to something that no longer exists, and it requires a lot of energy to keep it. If you if you look back on our life, imagine that you are able to remember every single moment in your life. The thing is that we have to use our imagination because we have forgotten a lot of things. Life allows us to let go, like opening our hand in a river. The river will take it. That means the things we hold on to is because we use energy to keep it. In a good way or in a bad way, impactful, negative, uh, positive, whatever. It takes effort to hold on. But the past only exists because we keep saying yes to it. We keep keep it alive by using it as an identity, our sense of self, our sense of purpose. But the moment we decide to open up, it will go away. Just like every thought, every memory we have. The beautiful thing about that is like my brother uses the analogy. It's like you sit in the river and you open your arm, your hand, and you'll see what the river takes away. If you keep your eye on that thing, that's all you'll see. But it'll prevent you from turning around and seeing what the river brings to you. 
And that's what life does. As soon as you let go, you're able to engage that which is coming. Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. It has been uh, beyond a delight to spend this time with you tonight. I really have enjoyed this conversation. You know, there are so many words of praise in the chat room. I don't imagine that you've had a chance to read them, but you know, everybody has really resonated. There has been a, everybody who's been, you know, a contributor to the book club has been a wonderful interview, but there has been a layer to this one of such personal openness um, from you that I think just has really resonated with everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving us your list. I know there's a reason why yours is the only list published this month, and it happens to be the month that your book is my bookworm as well. None of that was planned, but it's just turned out that way. So um, obviously it's divine timing. Thank you. It is. We, we live in a beautiful time where we see us humanity and now we get to choose how do we, how do we choose to engage it. And okay. I thank you so much for the opportunity to engage you in the book love. I wish everyone a happy 2021. May life bring joy and wisdom and we keep in mind everyone we love. You know, this morning I got news that a, a classmate of mine from elementary middle school passed away from COVID. And he was a guy who, you know, was always happy, always smiling. He leaves behind a child and a wife. And uh, he's young, he's my age. But then again, I feel young, so that's why I said he's young. One of the things about accepting death and that every relationship ends is that it helps us not take for granted the relationships we had. Enjoy them, have fun, be present and enjoy those moments with the people you love. Tomorrow's not promised, but if you're alive to enjoy it, it's a beautiful present. Beautiful parting words. Yes, and a wonderful reminder for moving forward. Don Miguel Ruiz, thank you. Thank you. And to everybody at home, thank you for joining us. I'm going to leave it here tonight. You know where to find us. If you want to know more about Don Miguel's work, you can go to his website, which is Miguel Ruiz Jr. Jr. Thank you. Good night, everybody.